0: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN global. Hello, and welcome to Beyond
1: Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus studio with quite the crowd today. Mm -hmm. Shocker Brad Piron. Aaron Richards Mm -hmm. and our dear friend Pete. Brad, yes, oh, sir. Oh, this man. is awesome. Okay, so today's going to be great. This is a show all about encountering the living God that mm-hmm. propels us into a life of mission. And mm-hmm. I believe all of us have given our life to the purpose of helping mobilize the church to be a community of missionary disciples, right that yes. uh, as as the Holy Father Pope Francis has told us we as a church are called to be this community that is literally following Jesus, but we follow Jesus into the mission field. And Pete, it's really exciting to have you here. We are currently at the live from the empower conference here at Damascus. (laughs) And the empower conference is not just a conference where we come and get some Jesus, but it's a conference where we come together to be mobilized for the sake of mission. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, I I don't know, like 500 young adults up up there, like just receiving an outpouring of the Holy spirit to mobilize them more effectively for mission. And um, I thought this episode what we could really dive into is talking about how the, this inseparable need for community and mission. The community leads to mission. Mission leads to community. And that ultimately our discipleship uh, uh, mm-hmm. is, is founded on these ideas of being a community and being missionary. And yeah. uh, we realize who we are as a church, as a community of missionary disciples mm-hmm. when we have these two things. So Pete, you're a special guest. Let's welcome you first by simply saying like, who the heck are you? Yeah. And how did you fall in love with Jesus in a snapshot? And why is your heart on fire for mission? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, it's awesome to be with you guys. I love anytime I can interact with you guys, but that's especially here on, on site. There's, some, there's a real anointing on this place. You guys know this, and I'm sure your listeners do too, but there really is something that God is doing. And I think very much tied to, what you've built is a community on mission. So we'll get mm-hmm. into that. But you asked, like, who the heck am I? Yeah. Uh, I'm a sinner and a friend of God. Who's this guy the just got with a beard. So if you them don't know who stereo. I am, you probably shouldn't have me on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. but, um, no, first and foremost, you know, uh, I'm married with, with five kids. My wife and I have five kids, and that's so. awesome. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, and I work for an organization called Renewal Ministries. I'm the vice president, and then I run our young adult outreach, which is called ID. So we try to help young adults become intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, How I met the Lord really is um, through a community on mission. So my parents met at the University of Michigan back in college. And right around that time, they um, were falling more and more in love with the Lord themselves through Campus Crusade, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then right around that time, uh, a community sprung up called the Word of God community, which was part of this charismatic renewal that broke out in the late 60s. And for whatever reason, the Lord just designated Ann Arbor as one of the hubs of this revival that really broke out. And so my parents got involved very early on. And so I came to know the Lord because um, both my parents were disciples. They loved Jesus and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was significant, certainly, but also because I can think of at least 30 to 40 different men who cared about my spiritual life growing up. So it was not unusual Mm -hmm. to go to the Herbeck's house, the McCary's house, the Chocley's house, the Rolf's house, the Cresta's house. It doesn't matter. We'd be watching football, right? And Mr. Rolf would look at me and say like, hey, how's how's basketball going? Like Mm -hmm. a normal male conversation. And then he'd be like, Hey, what's Jesus doing in your life? Mm. And as a 13 year old boy, that was both annoying Mm. and really inspiring. Right. Because all of a sudden it wasn't just something my parents believed, Mm -hmm. which was significant. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was corroborated, if you will, by all these other men that I respected and wanted to be like. And so, Mm. but even in the midst of that, you know, there still has to be that your own personal encounter moment. And that happened for me when I was nine. Uh, uh, yeah. typical, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, commonplace, yeah, I met him through a it was a, kind of a, a long story, but I got injured, and I was my whole little worldview at nine years old was was destroyed by this injury. <laughs> and again, because my parents knew Jesus and because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they extended that invitation to me, and I met him when I was nine years old. Wow. yeah, and um, that became the most real, true thing about my life was that God was real, and he loved me. Mm-hmm. and uh, that has propelled me ever since, and that's been the unshakable. Doesn't mean I've always... Held on to it in the yeah, same sure, way. Yeah, there's sure. been plenty of ups and downs, right? But mm-hmm. there's been nothing more true about my life than the fact that Jesus is real and He loves me.
1: So, when you're nine years old, you started to proclaim the gospel and do young adult ministry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately
2: going to <into> the town, <laughs> yeah.
3: actually. Yeah. yeah, I went to straight <laughs> to college campuses. Got <laughs> you, into Newman Center. You're the centers. founder of oh, yeah. Yeah. Town. Yep. Nine yeah, years yeah, yeah. Old. <laughs> I had apple juice and they had alcoholic yeah, beverages, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we
2: really went we went yeah. to town. It's sparkling wine, actually, yeah, sparkling wine. Excuse me,
3: sparkling grape juice because it was just
2: the right thing (laughs) yeah no it's uh not quite but but the point is actually there's an interesting point in that of when you meet the lord in such a profound way uh, even at that age what the lord begins to build in you if you continue to cooperate with his grace right is intimacy Mm -hmm. which then breeds and creates opportunities for proclamation so uh definitely it didn't take that long before the lord was just opening little doors like i look back and i think like wow Yeah, those were little preaching moments. Those were little moments of ministry that weren't so much a platform Mm -hmm. or I wasn't like trying to build a ministry at 10 years old for sure. It was more just like, this was so true. This Mm -hmm. is who I am. Yeah, And so if this is who I am, then how could I not talk about him? This is the only response. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like even Pope Francis said a, a line the other day about like, your life is a mission Instead of thinking of mission as something I have to integrate into my life or how do I fit it into the busyness of my schedule or whatever. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. actually a transformed disciple, it it should just kind of come out of you. Like Mm -hmm. there's just always the opportunity. It's like, I'm never thinking about, is this Mm -hmm. a mission opportunity or not? It's like every moment is a moment to be with Jesus and to share him. Yeah. And so... Even at 10, 12, all the way through high school. And again, there are plenty of ups and down moments. And yeah, we had yeah. plenty of time to talk about all those too, if you want. But <laughs> uh, plenty of times where I would say no to him or no, I don't know the man, mm-hmm. right? But the prevailing identity was mm-hmm. one that mm-hmm. knew him and loved him and wanted to serve him. Yeah, And that, that leads to mission.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic, we used the word contagious. Oh,
2: yeah. contagious. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Spread yeah. the good infection. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, when when someone's living authentically in their identity, like that, mm. that's that's something that others want to mm-hmm. to
2: model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's attractive. It, it should be anyway. Yeah, yeah.
3: it should be. You will, I, I think that um, I love that quote from Pope Francis as well. Like, you are a mission, mm. and and we're given context for that in Scripture all the time. Jesus' name means God saves. In his person is his mission. When he says, Uh, I have
1: come to seek and save save the lost. lost. And then as the father sent me, I send you. So if I've come to seek and save the lost and Mm -hmm. I've conformed you to me, then as the father sent me, I send you. That's my mission is to
3: seek and save the lost. Exactly. And that carries out in his passing off of the title of rock to Peter. Yeah. That like when when Simon was Simon and becoming Peter, Jesus gave him a title that was only given to God, yeah. right? And Jesus passed off and said, tag, you're it. That now you are a rock upon which I'm gonna build something. So even in that is Peter's mission, right? Like his name is his mission. Like you can just see constantly that God's writing this story where y- you are a mission. I have something for you. And the more you get to know me, the more that's revealed to you and you become that. To your point, it's not, when, when, you do, do, yeah. when do I manifest it? It's what? Well, I I am manifesting it because of the intimacy that we're building. Absolutely. So, at nine years old, you founded
1: Theology on Tap. Yeah. Um, and then, somewhere, some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. when you got older, yeah. you started. Well, I- just sparkling grape juice actually yeah, yeah. got their start
3: oh, from how yeah. popular. Yeah. We just got demonetized Well, dog
1: it. So, <laughs> so, as you got older, you, you you started doing young adult ministry and you formed this ministry ID, which is intentional discipleship. Could you speak? Because I think that it, we're so blessed, and I'm sure you probably like ha, like hang out with Sherry Waddell. And the forming intentional disciples is such a uh, a thing that is a book that really shaped the dialogue in the American Catholic Church on the importance of discipleship. One of the things I've noticed is that there's been such an emphasis on discipleship that is about faith formation, and almost a de-emphasis on discipleship about mission, hmm. where discipleship has become very um, consumeristic, where, where like. just the discipleship quote method has often been reduced to a Bible study where it's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, 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 Jesus style of ministry was not Bible studies. Like you don't Mm -hmm. see Jesus just gathering with people in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. talking about their faith, right? That that there was this really missionary impulse lifestyle to it. Yeah. Jesus Mm -hmm. did mission and he invited people on a mission with him. But so when you are forming people to be intentional disciples, um, what, how how do you describe for your ministry? How do you give the framework for what intentional discipleship is?
2: Yeah, it was interesting. When we first discerned the name, it was like six months later, the book came out, and we were like, Oh, really? We're like, Huh, oh, nice, yeah. sweet. Yeah. It yeah. seems like, like Holy Spirit's yeah, up to something. Like, oh, maybe we're onto something. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And so, uh, even as you described that, there was a part of me that was like, Ooh, okay, so we're in your describing a reality that is actually a false dichotomy, right? Like this idea yeah. of like, Either I'm growing in holiness or I'm growing and going on mission, right? Yeah. mm -hmm. And so the way we would talk about it is like, no, it's both and. Like, Mm -hmm. by very definition, a disciple is somebody who's growing in holiness and intimacy with the Lord Mm -hmm. and on mission, right? There's actually not. Uh, uh, a separation, and actually, what we see in Jesus and the way He forms His disciples mm-hmm. is there's not even so much a, a timeline to it. It's more of like a, mm-hmm. a, a circular formation than it is a linear one, mm-hmm. right? So He calls them, they start to follow Him, but then not too long into it, they, He's sending them out, yeah, and then He's debriefing with them, and some of it works and some of it doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. why did some of those spirits come out and some didn't? Yeah. You know, yeah. And He's constantly forming prayer and fasting, exactly. And so, and what you see in Jesus too is there is certainly content moments. You know, big group moments, like what we're having here, 500, Mm -hmm. right? He Mm -hmm. feeds a lot of people. He Mm -hmm. preaches to a lot of people. There's also clearly like smaller group moments where it's just the 12 and he's explaining to them what he just said. So there's, there's big group, there's medium group. And then there's that real intimacy stuff with the three, Peter, James, and John Mm -hmm. get something different than the rest of the apostles. So there's these layers to it. And one of the things that we started to notice that um, very rarely happens in young adult ministry in particular is a lot of times Mm -hmm. you have big events and you have very small groups, and maybe one-on-one disciple, but that medium-sized group is what is often mm-hmm. lost, like the mm-hmm. seventy-two. Yeah, where did they come from? Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. actually know very well, yeah. but somehow there was yeah. men and women, uh, probably families. There, there mm-hmm. was a, there was a tribe that was formed yeah. around Jesus. Mm-hmm. That once he left, they began to live what the New Testament calls like an oikos existence, a Greek term for household. Mm-hmm. The early church was a was a church plant of house church movement. Mm -hmm. And a household back then was cross-generational and really like as many could fit in a house. Mm -hmm. So thinking like 12 to 30. Mm -hmm. And that's the size group that we feel like is missing in the church right now. You have big moments. You have very small, intimate things, that both of which are important. Mm -hmm. But where's that medium-sized, extended family experience? Mm -hmm. That tribe. These are my people where uh, the term we've heard is that it's it's Mm -hmm. small enough to care, but big enough to dare. Small enough where you're known very well. Yeah. But big Mm -hmm. enough that if two people don't show up, it doesn't all of a sudden become one on one discipleship. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 Or so anonymous in a large group where nobody actually knows what's going on in your life and there's no real transparency. Or if you're there or
3: not, which then limits accountability, right? Because that middle sized group gives that kind of the the bridging of those things Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm known enough that it's felt when I'm not there. And at the same time, if if in the case that I'm off doing the Lord's work in this place, the it's not fully dependent on me. So it gives uh-huh. this, this
2: yeah. bridging. Because then ones. if it's big enough that all the gifts of the spirit are manifest, then the mm-hmm. body's healthy, mm-hmm. but also that all the gifts are needed. So if it's too big, you can escape mm-hmm. by without actually kind of putting your offering in, without putting any skin in the game. If it's too small, then not enough gifts are present to actually be a mature yeah. You know, Ephesians, I think it's four or five, where he talks mm-hmm. about apostles, prophets, shepherds, yep. evangelists, teachers. Mm-hmm. All five are necessary for the body to grow to maturity. Mm-hmm. So you need kind of that that medium-sized unit. And so we've kind of, we've made tons of mistakes. We've learned everything there is to know about how not to do it and <laughs> continue to do so. It's kind of our calling card. We're like, we're, <laughs> we're not very good at this a lot of the time. Um, and one of the things we have learned more recently is like, yeah, okay, that medium-sized extended family on mission, people have got on the move. Let's do it. That can only happen, we've discovered, if it's led by Spirit-filled leaders. And yeah. to me, the the number one thing that Jesus left behind were men and women who had been formed into him, who he had taught his way of life, who then through Pentecost actually received his Spirit to be empowered to go and create more of him mm-hmm. and to actually follow his method. And I think this is just a massive thing that the church um, unfortunately doesn't really emphasize enough where a lot of times leadership in the church is more like who's alive and interested. If you're interested, it's more of a call for volunteers yeah, as opposed to a a, a call to vision that we're going to assess your gifts. We're going to see who you are. And some people are called to higher degrees of leadership than others. And that's, sure. that's part of the way Jesus designed it. Mm-hmm. But that really, that core idea of like a few men and women carrying the burden, both spiritually and practically of what the body needs, Casting a vision, welcoming mm-hmm. people into that vision, and then leading that vision. Well, Another way to think about it is like um, a leader or a discipler needs to live a life that we would want other people to imitate.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Imitate me imitating Christ. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it needs to be both imitatable and accessible. You can't imitate a life that you can't see. Yeah. So it needs to be able to, a person who's willing to open up mm-hmm. their lives and say, mm-hmm. this is how I'm living and how I'm living should be imitated. Yep. I mean, think about if that was the metric for leadership yeah. in the church. Like you can only lead if a thousand other people should become like you. Yeah, mm. A thousand yes. people like you, then you're going to be a and leader. examine
3: your life through that lens, because the pursuit that that has of dependency to God, that only God is going to give me to that place that yeah. honestly say that. Yeah. That's and it
2: doesn't mean people who aren't there yet are all of a sudden cast off or any. No, there's a role for them as well. Because again, the body needs all the parts and, and, it, but it's instead of this kind of everybody's equal opportunity leadership type of thing. It's really trying to find the people who the Lord's hand is upon. And the fact is, like, when you look at the history of the church, I'll I'll make the statement, everything fruitful in the church, when you boil it all down, there are men and women at the center of it, usually a relatively small number of men and women who are spirit-filled leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not that complicated, but it is uh, not always easy to find them, identify them, walk with them, train them, and launch them.
0: In the context of community, how, how have you come to identify that? What do you? How do you label that?
2: Yeah, you know, we're still working on that a little bit. Um, I think there's we were we were just got some wisdom actually from an evangelical church in Omaha on this, where they talk about it as uh, a combination of DNA and then what they call leadership presence. And so uh, the DNA is is. I think we could probably all identify it. Like, do they know the Lord? Can they talk about him? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have prayer t- a daily prayer time? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they in the scripture? Are they free of serious sin yeah. or regularly going to and being freed up from that? Uh, uh, is, there, is there grace in their life that they're cooperating? Kind of all the traditional markers of holiness that the yeah. church would put out. That's kind of that, that core DNA. Leadership presence, I think, is a little bit harder to define. It's a little bit more of that intangible of like, they just have it. You know, and mm-hmm. so we're trying to. You know to, it when you see it. You know it when you. you kind of know it when you, you see it. Feel you know? and so the danger in that can be to become uh, enamored with uh, only one version of the leadership presence. And so, in my mind, I've started to think of it as mm-hmm. um, there are really two types of spirit-filled leaders, in my opinion. There's fire starters and fire tenders. Those mm-hmm. who are more disposed mm-hmm. and gifted to start something, to launch mm-hmm. something, more the apostle, evangelist types, yep. mm-hmm. and then the fire tenders who take things deep. So a fire, ten- a fire starter is most alive when they're they're striking out and taking new ground and establishing something to take new ground. A fire tender is more like, this is great, but it can go so much deeper. It can be so much more purified. And so and we're actually kind of in the process right now of discerning, Lord, how do we um, properly mm-hmm. uh, assess attributes to those without getting so constrained where yep. we actually pigeonhole or paint ourselves in the corner, we're only actually identifying one type of person, because that's clearly not the way the church, I mean, you look at the lives of saints, they are every type of personality, every type of gifting. So we don't want to fall into that trap. But we also don't want to fall into the trap of just because, again, you have a pulse and you're you're happy and you have the DNA that you actually then are also uh, ready to lead.
0: He is honored by the church as a saint and the first diocesan priest to be declared a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. John of Avila was known to his contemporaries as a spiritual master and he served as a guide to some of the greatest saints of the 1500s. He also called for true reform in the church and was a role model for the priesthood even today. He died in 1569. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism.
2: The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio.
3: I feel really blessed to be able to go on EWTN Radio and answer questions from people all over the world. The important thing is being able to help people with what's of concern to them and how they can grow closer to God.
0: Catholic Answers Live, Monday night, 6
1: Eastern, on EWTN Radio.
0: Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.
1: So getting back to the original yeah. question then. So you're asking Brad, the yeah. original question was how do we what what are how do we have diversity and community or commonality, yeah. yeah. And I, I think there is there's those bedrock foundational components, right? Uh, that you would call intentional discipleship. I'm yeah, assuming, yeah, and then, right. um, and then there, there's within that bedrock, there's a diversity of expressions yep. and a diversity of giftings, yeah. and, and which is really beautiful. And I think that, I mean, you you mentioned the fivefold earlier of apostle, pastor, um, prophet, evangelist, teacher. That that's a great way to see this diversity of expressions on how I live as a leader within a community, how I contribute to a communal life, how I contribute to the building up of the church and the evangelization component of the church and all of these different uh, unique means by which I pursue the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. I think there's also the, the, there's there's commonalities within every community as well, which you were kind of highlighting too. Yeah, sure. the, there's the Franciscans have a common way of life. And so the Franciscan way of life m- may have um, certain requirements because they've thrown themselves into this community. So as, as a community, we do, uh, pray the rosary every day, or as a community, we do say the angelist at noon every day. So there sometimes commonality is formed through the charism of the community.
3: Sure. Absolutely. Um, Which is to your point, the, the charismatic element, like charisms, these gifts of the Holy spirit, this life in the Holy spirit. Yeah. Oh yeah. is is a principle that sometimes we can, um, like incorrectly attribute to subjectivity, which I think goes back to your point that you were saying it's dangerous when we make a principle of preference. Yeah. It's actually, it is a principle.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that, Mm -hmm. and that, but then the, the beauty of the church is it, she is big enough and discerning enough to say, yeah, there is a particular call in charism on the Franciscans or the Dominicans or any other lay movement, right. And any other community. And this is a thing that the church often kind of gets a little skittish around sometimes with how we understand community is like, in order for a community to be community, there has to be those who are in it. And there are then by definition have to be those who are not in it. (laughs) And that's a good thing. Like there needs to be a membrane. There needs to be a distinguishing factor between this is, these people are together for a particular purpose with a particular way of life that they have committed to, that they have chosen, right. That they have, they've discerned and uh, agreed upon and then by definition, that means there are those who aren't.
1: Actually, in the official church documents, you have to you have to label what what do you classify as membership. Yeah. In order for the church to recognize you as a community, as an association, you have to label membership. And that is you're right. That is a little offensive in the modern context, right? Because yeah. it's like, well, we don't want to. We don't want to not include anyone. Right. But in order to have a community, you actually have to have a way of life and you have to define that. And so there's going to be people who are living that or not living it.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that was most dramatic to the ancient world about the church was that she was a tribe, but she was not tribalistic. All right. So the the tribes of the ancient world and even today, we have lots of tribes, right? And who are combative, who are we are us and you are not, therefore you're different, you're bad, and you can't access our life. Right. So the there was more of this extended family experience of keeping people out. There was the haves and the have nots or the us and the them, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing that was so radical about the the Christian tribe, if you would, was that yes, it had a membrane, but it was permeable. Mm-hmm. In fact, we want you in it, yeah. but we don't want you in it on your terms. It's it, you don't get to define the community. Jesus defines the community, and we are obedient to him. And if you want to live the Jesus life, then you are welcomed, no matter who you are, no matter how you are, yeah. no matter what you look like, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. If you want in, great. But this is what it means to want yeah. in. And so the church actually loses her salt and her light when she doesn't uphold that standard mm-hmm. where she's radically welcoming. Yeah. But radically welcoming on Jesus's terms. Yeah. Not on the person who's interested in joining and that is a massive thing that we've we've fallen apart on is we want to be radically welcoming, but we we maybe are a little skittish about Jesus's terms. We're not mm-hmm. quite sure how we feel about his claims of how we should live. So we get a little wishy-washy on it. And then all of a sudden we can, we, we, we lose on both ends. We're experienced, not as very welcoming and not as salty. Yeah. And that, that, That's a bad place to live in. Like we're both not very welcoming to the world. And the world's like, you don't welcome us. And we're not salty to our membership. So we're not fully living ourselves. Both of those are a problem. And in the middle of that is obedience Mm. to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what it means to be church. And if you want in, great. And if you don't, we still love you. And Jesus Himself had people who
1: walked away, and yeah. so if we if we do church on Jesus's terms, or if we do life on Jesus's terms, then there's we should expect that there will be people who walk away. Amen. And, and if people aren't walking away, or um, because of the lifestyle may not conform to them, then perhaps we're we're not actually got to be Jesus careful with that, though.
0: That people walking away isn't your mark of success. Yeah, well, the, so what I've always... Most people walk away from church, I think, because it's ineffective. Yes, yes,
1: I, I agree. And I think the, you have to be careful. Are they walking away because my personality is rude yeah. and condescending, or are they walking away because... There
3: is a tension there, the though. Jesus there, yeah. Yeah, there's a wisdom to what you're saying there. Can you <clears throat> extrapolate on that? Like, what are the well, differences so, that you're saying?
0: You know, we're talking about young adult ministry specifically, and as, as we're having this conversation, I'm going back to a mm-hmm. lot of the, a lot of the uh, messaging that we've shared around, like Generation Z and what... Mm-hmm. What it means to be a growing young adult in today's world, and I mean the reality is it, it, as we observe the church is is missing the mark in large part uh you know we the church are missing the mark in large part that that there's a there's a generational gap that that exists so mm-hmm. why um and Pete, I love what you're saying in terms of in terms of both uh inclusivity and saltiness right so I mean, that's a good litmus test even to hold up against ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like definitely because, because, you know, both are going to be a turnoff. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I, and if I walk into a space where, where there's no distinction, or if I walk into a place that's overly exclusive, like, or overly inclusive, um, it, yeah. just, it just, it just lacks identity. Well, both, it lacks of those, integrity. Right? both
3: of those, like if, if it's so exclusive that it's an, it's an inward facing, this is who we are. yeah. And it's, it's just like, I don't even know how to enter into that. And if it's so inclusive that it's like, Hey, really anyone that steps in the door is then a part of it to your well, point, Pete. It, it. I'm
1: sorry. And that's the beauty of the community and mission being hand in hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so this yeah, church that is, is a tribe, but not tribalistic that they're a community, yeah. but they're also a community on mission. That's welcoming people. Well, in, let, and that they, they aren't just inward facing. Hey, we've got, we found our friends and let's hang out with our friends. They mm-hmm. are, we want to bring you in, but we have a way of life.
3: Let we're me ask a question on to- that. I, I love that. I, I agree. And what I was feeling when you were saying that is this, this reality where the reason that the, the church was tr- like, like tribal in essence, but not tribalistic in, in function was because they didn't see it as a zero sum game. What happens when communities, even in the church, begin lacking mission is it's a zero sum game. If they join your community, we by default lose. Mm -hmm. That's not true if we're on mission, right? Because the numbers are always growing. So then I am pumped when someone's a part of ID and I'm a pump, I'm pumped when they come to Damascus and I'm pumped when they go to Focus and SPO and to all these other young adult apostulates that work alongside us in the vineyard. Because for me, it's like, Mm -hmm. that means that they're acting like they're on mission, you know? And so the question I want to throw off of that is I, I do have a, a fear in the Western world that an overemphasis on community without an equal emphasis on mission does this. It says we have non-negotiables in everything but mission. So the non-negotiables of holiness are personal prayer life, sacraments, discipleship, so on and so forth. The non-negotiables of community are you show up to these particular things because we have to be committed to these other things. The non-negotiables of mission are you live differently than me. So that's that's mission. So you just do your thing and, and you I'll kind of do, do, do mine. And I, I, I do fear that sometimes because, again, we don't want to create such a um rigid structure that it makes God in my image but if we don't have any objectivity there's no accountability so i wonder like what we wrestle with in that maybe that's just me but for me it's like uh, when i look through um jesus's mission statement that he professes from isaiah um when i when i like just the different things that i that i see were the Lord just like this is fulfilled in your hearing today. When yeah. uh, when I when I see that God says you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love your neighbor? What is mission there? And then when I look at like Pope Emeritus Benedict, when he says that the church exists to do three things, to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. Well, one of those is holiness, worship. That can contain all of those non-negotiables. To evangelize and to care for the poor are different things. Okay, so there's a reason they're distinct, right? And so evangelizing, we could call me serving and setting up chairs evangelizing, but that seems like caring for the poor who wouldn't have a chair if I didn't set it up. And so now I have a, a share and a serve, And sometimes I think we allow every Christian to say, well, is your temperament and personality more set up to share or to serve? When God's saying, I want you to do both. Because the extroverts have no excuse not to sit down for personal prayer, even if they have ADHD. And the introverts have no excuse not to share the good news of the gospel, even if it's a little uncomfy. And I think we have to wrestle with that in church. So anyway, I've spoken enough to that. The question off of that is, am I I missing something there? Like I, I just see um a necessity for community mm. but sometimes i don't know i it, without mission i think it falls to the to the yeah. wayside
0: with with in my mind with with mission particularly even you look to you look to st paul one one body many parts right mm-hmm. it, you've got to have a distinction of mission yeah. um or else you're going to have huge swaths of humanity that are missed in the process right mm-hmm. i think i think when it comes to mission there's got to be an expectation that while the content may be, different, that the quality is maintained in its Christocentricity. Mm-hmm. So like if we can, if we can engage in mission in a way that's like, what are the marks of mission that are mm-hmm. in alignment with the, with the mission of Jesus?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it may be less so like do this or do that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've met missionaries before who, 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 aren't, are, yeah. who aren't, who aren't effectively ministers of Jesus. Yes. Well, right. Sure, sure, I mean, sure, I sure, even think sure. some
1: of our, lay movements right now that have the classification of missionary is doing a disservice to the exactly. church I'm and the church's identity. Like, okay, so we're the Damascus missionaries. So the Damascus missionaries are somehow missionaries, but then the person who works at the bank isn't a missionary like that. Every single Christian, every single Catholic has to see themselves that their core identity is a missionary. And so it's, it's not mm-hmm. ha- like it's do what you do and do it for Jesus, no matter what you do it in Jesus, through Jesus, with Jesus, for Jesus, no matter what you're doing. and so like listen to where he calls you in into the field mm-hmm. right and we want the uh, the field to be super diverse but mm-hmm. everyone that they, yeah. they see it as a mission territory a mission field and that means it's going to look different so my full-time ministry sure. in the field of the church is going to look different than the full-time ministry in the field of the secular world but it can't be well i i have my I teach CCD and that's how I fulfill, mm-hmm. you know, PSR mm-hmm. class. That's how I fulfill my call to mission. No, mm-hmm. it, your, your life is mission. Yeah. As you said, it's in, infused into everything mm-hmm. and you have to do the work and it, ha- it happens through the intimacy of prayer to figure out how you make that mission territory that's good. missional. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's tricky and it's hard. And the, the sadly there's not enough witnesses for our lay people on how mm-hmm. to do it. Like, like, because most lay people, they just start working for the church if they want to be in full-time mission. But realistically, we've got to be full-time in the world Mm -hmm. doing it. And we're not teaching the lady how to do that. Well, which is hard.
0: This is Brian Howell, Operations Manager of Salt and Light Radio in Idaho. Thanks to Catholic Radio, lives have been changed, marriages have been saved, and people have found their way into the church. When you're looking for messages of peace, hope, and love, you'll find them
3: right here. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever.
1: EWTN offers the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass live every morning at 8 Eastern and provides you with daily
2: readings to follow along and enrich your experience. To be sure you don't miss out on the daily Mass or to get access to previous recordings, we can send a link to your email inbox
0: every day. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click
3: subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network.
0: Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.
2: Well, oh, lots of thoughts. Yeah. Uh, maybe three quick ones. One is uh, three three reasons I think a lot of people don't actually engage in, in mission. Mm-hmm. One is um, they see it as something extra so I have mm-hmm. to fit it into my life, right? We yeah. talked about this. Mm-hmm. And actually the vast majority of people are called to, to bear witness to the gospel in and through their passions. So in other words, like, what would you already choose to do this week? Probably if you like doing mm-hmm. something, you're going to be around other people who also like doing that mm-hmm. thing, which means you already have some sort of relational connection with them, which yeah. means if they don't know Jesus, that's probably your mission field. Yeah. Um. So for me and my wife right now, as much as I work for Renewal Ministries and ID and all this, Our primary mission field is our neighborhood. Yeah. Like our direct neighbors. Yeah. Because we have a lot of people who live Mm -hmm. literally within a stone's throw who don't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And what's our common passion? Yeah. So I, I don't have to go looking for mission. I just literally go play with my kids, which I would already be doing. Yep. And I see it through the lens. Oh. of the prison And now of all of a sudden yeah. neighbor over here comes over with his kid and we're talking and the Lord is moving and mm-hmm. I see it as mission. So evangelizing through passions is like a, a critical thing. Uh, the second re- reason is one that we've talked about. And we don't need to dive in a, a ton is really like sure. they don't feel empowered. They don't actually have... Like supernatural power to do it. They think it's mission is something I have to convince God to bless as opposed to I have to see what he's already doing That's and really join him in that. People. So, like, one of the things we teach our people all the time is like, it's not your job to come into an environment and convince Jesus to do a saving work. Every single person you meet every single day for the, for the rest of your life and the rest of their life is being passionately, supernaturally pursued by God. That's a, that's for sure. We know that. (laughs) So when you come into encounter with anybody, you don't have to wonder, does God want them? Yeah,
3: he does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to wonder. Is salvation for them? Yes. You don't have to wonder is,
2: are they trying, is God trying to reach them? He is. (laughs) So, So the question is not then as a disciple, is God doing something here? The question is, what is he doing here? And then uh, am I called to participate in it? And it's super freeing because sometimes you may not be, which yes. most of us kind of yes. prefer. Sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, the Holy Spirit's like, no, don't do anything now. But other times, the Lord's going to give you vision to see. No, I'm working in this person's heart, and here's what your role is in that process. Yeah. And so to see that as, so I come into a restaurant, I come into my workplace, and I'm my eyes are looking for what is God already doing here, mm-hmm. and Lord, am I called to be a part of it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is, and we're talking about it through this whole sure, episode, sure. is that that intimacy between communion, and mission, but most people aren't on mission because they're not on mission with other people who they're running with, right? You you talked about Pope um, um, Benedict Emeritus, his three things. Pope John Paul II also called it the three commissions of a disciple, Mm -hmm. prayer, communion, and mission. And then he also said, this is maybe my favorite line from him, he said, communion and mission mutually imply and interpenetrate each other. So in other Mm -hmm. words, when you say communion... You're implying mission. And when you say mission, you're implying communion. And he said, communion gives rise to mission and mission is accomplished in more communion. So out of our oneness, we are sent mm-hmm. to what end? To bring people back into it. Yeah. And so like too often, group. exactly, too mm-hmm. often we think of, of mission as tennis, All right, I have to hit the ball back every time. It's my responsibility. <laughs> if I miss, we fail. It's a, it's a individual sport. No, mission is football. You have quarterbacks, you have centers, you have offensive linemen, mid- you have, field you have everybody playing their yep. role. And if everyone plays their role with their gifting, with their size, with their speed, all that, then we win. And sometimes you have defensive people and it, like it, that's way more, it's a team sport, but too often the way we even talk about it because we say, you're called to mission. How do I receive that? Oh, I'm called to mission. Oh, therefore I have to do everything. Yeah. And that's just fundamentally not true. Right. And think about this, he sends them out Pairs, but each pair knows where they're coming from, which is more than two. Yeah, 72. There's 72. Yeah. So you're not weird. There's 12 spirits. There's a lot of other people who are in it.
3: who are are also
2: being, and you know, okay, me and Barabbas or Barnabas or Sirius or whatever whatever the biblical name are out doing this thing, but there's also, I'm not very good at math, but 72 other pairs or 36 other pairs or whatever doing the same thing. And they also know that they're not just being sent out. Forever, yeah, mm-hmm. they're coming back. They come back. Well, the, yeah, the gospel—that's well,
3: yeah, the, the gospel, right? So I, I, I think we say this a decent amount here. I know that I, I preach from this a lot. The gospel fundamentally can be summed up in two words: come and go.
2: Hmm.
3: Like come, like receive the heart of the Lord, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come together, common union, communion, community, and and go therefore and make disciples. And and it's actually that—that's kind of the the beauty of what we see through what Jesus does in the twelve and with everyone else is. And in all honesty, what I see in the apostles is they come together to remind themselves who they are and to remind themselves what they're doing. And then they go and do it. And then they come back, they bring their hardships and say, this failed. I think I might've relied on myself too much. I need some healing here. I wasn't able to minister in this way. I think I missed this particular area of grace. The the question that I still, and um, I want to press in because I just, I love the conversation that, that we're having. And it it's just, it's something on my heart as I'm trying to work through a missionary program here is There's still, there's still a fear in my heart and I, and I want it, I want it to be like, um, said that way because I'm not sure that I'm right here, but a a fear that I have sometimes is that, so when we look objectively at the church in the Western world, it's bleeding out substantially, especially the church in Europe kind of the church in America. Um, Definitely not like progressing, winning, moving the ball down the field very efficiently, let's say. Um, I think a huge component to that is because most of the people that are in the game in the sense of in the pews on Sunday are not in the game in the sense of mission. I think part of it is because we've left it overly subjective, but I don't know how to make it appropriately objective. And, And it's really hard for me because what I end up hearing is something like this. It's something irrefutable. So if the person comes and says, today I lived the life that was in front of me, I smiled at some people, people and they felt good about it. Like, I can't challenge that. Or I'm, I'm, or I'm telling you, you need my gifts because who's to say that that smile wasn't mission. But then there's no, it, it falls into infinite subjectivity. Like what I think the left uh, wing of like social politics can, it's like, then yeah. nothing means anything. There's no definition for man, woman. There's no definition for nation or state. There's no definition for government or people or, and, and maybe I am over like doing that because of the way that God's made my heart to Mm -hmm. try to find something that I can welcome people into so that we can go out and not have the church. So what are the marks of mission? I think share and serve person again. I am so willing to be wrong, but like as I do a deep dive, it's like you are called to share to euangelion. You are called to be the one who comes back from the battle as the, the Romans win another battle and say, Another battle's been won for Jesus Christ. Another battle's been won for Jesus Christ. Like like Jesus is doing something in the world. Like and, and that doesn't matter if you're yeah. introverted, extroverted or anywhere in between. You are called in your life. The timeline is a whole different conversation. Is that supposed to happen every day, every week, mm-hmm. every month, every year? Mm-hmm. I can't even get into that cuz I'm trying to get the the factors right first. But everyone is called to share. For sure, with their mouth. I mean like actually yeah. share like say that Jesus saves and that he wants to have a relationship. Like mm-hmm. every human person saved by God is called to share and called to serve. And I think that they have to be different or else why do we differentiate between evangelizing and caring for the poor? Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to create those as two categories mm-hmm. if they're mutually inclusive. Yeah, there's the corporal and, and the spiritual. And, but again, what we'll, we'll say is, well, if we just worship, then we'll also evangelize and care for the poor. It's like, Yes. I'm not going to like get you into a semantic debate with me, but the reality is they're putting three pillars up. We're putting holiness, communion, and mission. So if we say it's all the same thing, then let's just give one word for it and stop. But there's something Mm -hmm. you can see where I'm going, but that's, I don't know if you guys feel that. I don't know if I'm even perceiving the right thing, but when I see a church that's bleeding out and an infinite subjectivity in an area, specifically the area that I think would grow the, the lack, I begin questioning.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i I think you're i think there's got to be accountability and metrics and I think Jesus gives us a ton i mean his lifestyle mm-hmm. is a metric and his commission is a metric right he gives us commissions and so it seems like the mission Makes should sense. be the fulfillment of the commission
0: uh and or else we've got to have at least a really good reason yeah exactly he
1: tells us to proclaim the gospel to yeah. every creature right he tells us to heal the sick to cast out demons. And so there's, there's instructions that he gives us. He tells us to, to see his face in the poor and to give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked. There's very easy biblical commissions, even the tradition has. The, yeah. The,
3: yeah. This is what I'm saying.
1: And so I, I think there's, it's there, but I think the, the power of community is community actually fosters mission in me. And so when I see Pete running hard, when I see Aaron running hard, when I see Brad running hard, I want to run harder. So mm-hmm. run so as to win, Paul tells us. And if I'm running to win, I've got to run faster than the person next to me. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's the very nature of running next to another person that gets me to run harder. And, mm-hmm. and community is such a gift because of that. Mm-hmm. It sharpens me. It It, it refines me. But when it's not an authentic missionary community, a community of missionary disciples, then it just becomes a country club. Uh, a uh, click uh, in
3: high school, a corner yeah, bar.
1: Exactly. And it, it, where where the problem is, if well, if my the people I'm running next to are fat and lazy and they're running mm-hmm. really, really slow, mm-hmm. then I just have to run just a little bit faster to or be even better if than them.
3: I would say, just just to make the analogy, and, and I want to hear the rest, but like, but not even if they're just fat and slow. But even if they're incredibly gifted. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 it's not like it's no, bad no, no. People. I'm not. No, uh, no, no. Spiritually I'm fat. So sorry. Lazy. No, no, no. I'm going and into that too, analogy. Yes. What I'm saying is, <laughs> when we all know who have played sports, the really, really gifted people that are coasting, and you know it. Yeah. Like, if I, if you're a coach and someone's missing their time, but they are busting their tail to try to make it, it's yeah. very different than someone that's coasting through their time, and they could get two seconds off of it. Yeah. It's like that's almost more discouraging because we're not we're not moving that gift. So I get to your yeah. point. That is again what community Absolutely. does. But with, just a. With the parable of talents, I've always been like,
1: okay, there's the two talents, there's the three talents, there's the five talents. And I may may not be a five talent kind of guy, but if if I'm a three talent kind of guy and the talents multiply, right? If I'm faithful to investing my talents, it multiplies because the five became 10 and the three became six. And so if the three becomes six and then it becomes 12 and then it becomes 24, well, if the five talent person is coasting and they're not investing, Mm -hmm. the three talent person adds, adds grace really fast. Right. Not that we add grace, but yeah, like the the Lord sees that and he says, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more. Mm -hmm. Pete, what do you think about this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I wrestle with it for sure. I think, um, one, one of the things that would be uh, not to be annoying, but the one response would be there is, there is a freedom in uh, just the obedience to each moment saying what's God's will for me right this minute. And to to be a little bit freed up to Good brother. to not spend too much time to not overly evaluate
3: or obsess over, him. or
2: yeah. kind of say, "Am I? Am I not?" Mm-hmm. There's a way at which, like, this is all gift. This is all him working through us. It's all kind of on him anyway, right? Like, all mission yeah, is definitely. The, the, Pope's teaches this like the the Spirit's the one who gives us the words to speak, the gives us the courage to speak them, the insight to know when to speak them prepares the heart of the listener. All conversion mm-hmm. is supernatural. Nobody says Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So any anytime that we see any fruitfulness, it's not really us. I mean, it's us cooperating with what he's doing. So there's a certain freedom that comes from that at the same time and so I don't think it's an or. it's yeah. more of an and mm-hmm. we do need to be able to take kind of spiritual audits of to say, where am I and am I, what talents has the Lord given me? What ways am I stewarding those and what ways am I not? And which ways am I smiling at somebody yeah, yeah. and calling it mission when it's really not? I mean, and this or is, maybe it is, but I mean, maybe again, it is, but,
3: but only a community can hold you accountable to that. Yeah, and and, and I, I
2: I would venture guess that like it might be mission in some Kind of ostensible you know, like ostensibly connected to the outcome, but the the church is pretty clear. Like the outcome of evangelization is conversion. Yeah. Right. Salvation. And one of the things. Salvation. Exactly. Good. Because being. it really matters, right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the other things that I think unfortunately happens is in the church world, we we take these words that have deep meaning and uh, neuter them of meaning. So evangelization becomes everything. Um, accompaniment becomes everything. Uh, dialogue becomes everything. Welcoming and No, there's actually some real value of making sure we clearly define those things and hold to those definitions. Accompaniment is essential in the process of evangelization, but accompaniment is not evangelization. Exactly yeah, as the way so it's discussed, good. right? So good. We don't because we always talk about the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes alongside them and he walks with them. He answers their questions. And that's the whole To gospel. what end? <laughs> yeah. Right? No, no, yeah no. So he brings them to a moment where they have to decide something. Yeah, they right. either turn back or they could keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So accompaniment's beautiful as long as it culminates in the direct proclamation. And it's necessary but not sufficient. Exactly, like those are the type of words ex- that we're using. Exactly. Using, we in and so um and and then the one other thing I'd say is like uh we We hold very strongly to this concept of communal discipleship, which is what we say we all have a role to play in the discipleship and evangelization of everyone, not the same role um, and that's good in the sense of like there's something about the person who has no um gifting verbally, who maybe would never be capable of really giving a very dynamic proclamation, but the way they communicate is when asked they can use their words, right? But the way they serve the body and the way they evangelize is a part of a whole is they are the rock solid. They will set everything up. They will take everything down. They will give generously. They will use every ounce of the third of a talent they have at the service of the body. And I think there's a way at which, again, it's a both and, there's a way at which to still invite those people into saying, what is your personal witness to what God has done in you? And how has the Lord invited you to to bless our communal effort in this, yeah. and um, and so I j- I don't know. There's just a way at which I think we need to hold very strongly the level of conviction you have about the proclamation, while also while also honoring and loving 100%. and validating 100%. the um, the uniqueness of each of us in that that time. Completely. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah well, I think it's, how are you going to win people over? <laughs> like, yeah. And sometimes, you know, some win people over through proclamation, some win people over through a profound witness. I, I mean, the the presence of Peter, his shadow healed people. And so there was something so profound about his presence that, um, can, can we get to the place where our presence is enough? And chances are, it's, it's not <laughs> like right. there, there, that you always need to proclaim the gospel, but the but that, man, I, I would love to walk into a room and my presence shifts the room before I proclaim the gospel because it gives credence to that proclamation. Well, and,
2: and how will they know you're Christians? By your love. Yeah. Right. So there's an also way. And that love is not just caught. It's taught. It's, it's not just uh, like it's not enough to just make like, man. These people are different. Like, that's good. That need is necessary, but why? And somebody still needs, and Paul talks about it, like, how can somebody come to faith unless somebody preaches? And how can somebody preach unless they've been sent? And like, so there's, it's all works together in some mysterious, divinely inspired and led process, which that doesn't eliminate the need for us to strategize and steward and plan and think and evaluate and hold accountable. That's all true too. But it it's still the reason the church is described as a body is because there are the systems, but there's also the life mm-hmm. and it's, it's that combination that makes us a living creature, not just a bag of bones or not just a breath.
1: Mm. Words <laughs> from the founder of theology on tap at <laughs> nine years old. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> Aaron, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I love it. I think, I think it's, it's an invitation into uh meaningful relationship. Like I think that, the reason this is hard is because it, it can't, it can't be, uh, effectively communicated in a book, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can outline principles. I, I can, I can teach things from the stage, but ultimately like where people back down as well, this makes me uncomfortable because I actually got to commit something. Yeah, I've actually got to enter into relationship with this person. If I want to see them grow, I've got, I've got to be willing to, uh, to help them if I'm going to, if I'm gonna. Hold hold them accountable, mm-hmm. right? Or else I'm just a jerk. So, and you, and you see this. I mean, you you brought up Paul. I'm, I'm going through the letters again right now, and uh, like, if Paul was just a theologian, he would have written to thousands of churches. Mm-hmm. He he chose a a handful because, uh-huh. in addition to writing, he spent time there, years there. Years. Mm. Yeah, he did. Because these were these were friends that he was leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not a just not just the flock.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. love that i i mean i I hate how simple it is, but like wedding feast of Cana gives us the instructions. Just do whatever he tells you, yeah, and the only way you can do whatever he tells mm-hmm. you is if you're intimately linked to him, yeah, um, uh, but I think what's really important is do whatever he tells you in the context of community. I think what you spoke, Pete, mm-hmm. about the necessity that man, when we hear this call to mission to do whatever he calls us, I, I can't see it as an, an isolated call that mm-hmm. I have to do whatever he tells me to do by myself, mm-hmm. that good. he's brought me into his family. And in, in order to effectively know what he's calling me to do, I have to be a part of that family. Yeah, And, and I need to find myself in that
3: community. Yeah. I want to say one thing to that too, because I totally agree. And 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 in order to... Not allow that to be infinitely subjective, and now again, we do also need to say that subjectivity does not mean bad. like Christianity yep. is the right association of subjectivity with objectivity. That's mm-hmm. what the theologians long past have mm-hmm. always said it's a, it's an appropriate assessment of the two. It's do whatever he tells you, and he's already told you a lot in that book and in that church yeah and and like, and we need to do well to tend to that. It's not do whatever he tells you right now, and if he doesn't speak very clearly, you shouldn't act. The church has already given us precepts. it's given us corporal and spiritual works of mercy. It's given mm-hmm. us beatitudes. It's given us like we have this rich treasure trove of like, that is what he's telling me. Yeah. And he's telling me something right now. Yeah. And so I I can't just say he needs to tell me something right now in order to act or we'll stay stagnant. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm not pushing for over this is actually, I think, this is a whole different episode. The 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 I think the my last comment, that I think the turmoil in our church today is the two sides are like, we need to hold to subjectivity. We need to hold to objective, and we won't talk. Mm-hmm. And Because we need to make sure everyone's welcome and everyone's included. We need to make it rigid, dogma, structure, mm-hmm. and they're not conversing in a way that allows us to embody Jesus in the fullness of what he's made us to be. So that's that's my two cents to add.
2: Oh, there's so much there. Oh man. There's that's so, so much. fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you listen to this, uh, hopefully it wasn't on times two speed because this was fast. <laughs> 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 and So I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to, to beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. If you're hungry for more, um, that means the Holy Spirit's alive in you. So that's a good sign. And I hope you join us again next week on Beyond Damascus. This show blessed you.
2: Share with others. Uh, Pete, where can people find you? Yeah, best place would go to intentionaldisciples.com or renewalministries.net. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, Please join us next week. God bless.
0: Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.